I am your host, Raquel Ark, an American podcasting from Germany, and this is Listen In. Join this series of conversations with inspiring scientists, leaders, and authors about listening as a surprising superpower that is not always as easy as it seems. Believe me, I know, and I've been learning and will continue to learn, and I hope that this podcast will help you find practical ways to help others listen better while you become better at leading people, catalyzing collaboration, transforming conflict, building trust and engagement, And I'll tell you, when really good listening happens, then the entire group, including you, can feel energized and inspired. So sit back and enjoy listening beyond what we typically think of. Often, when we're listening to another person tell their story, we're listening for the things that we want to hear rather than what the other person is trying to show us in that very moment. These assumptions can block our listening. Laurie Jobert, a dedicated coach, facilitator, trainer, and certified listening professional with over 20 years of experience leading and managing groups and individuals, takes us on a deep dive into the art of listening and how we can listen towards a better world of understanding. She has served on the board of the International Listening Association in different roles and recently as president. Lori brings a deep desire to serve and a commitment to seeing all sides of every situation. In this episode, she shares stories about bringing people together for the benefit of building healthy and successful relationships, also in organizations. Enjoy listening in. Welcome to the Listen In podcast, Lori. It's really great to have you here today. Happy to be here. Um, So we have had a lot of conversations, and I'd like to just give a little bit of history to our listeners. Um, Lori has been the president of the International Listening Association for this past year. And probably many of you don't even realize that this, uh, the International Listening Association um, exists, but it's really a great organization around listening. So I will first... um, I'm going to ask you, Lori, just to explain your role there, and then we'll get into you as a person. Thank you. Currently, my role at the Listening Association is to serve its membership through the duties on the board. I serve on the executive board as the president, and my main responsibility is to ensure that my board members have the resources and information they need to help lead the association toward the goals of the ILA's mission, which is to advance listening practice, teaching, and research across the globe. Yeah. And for you this past year, as you've um, guided the, the organization, what has been your big vision? My big vision is to really sustain our connection through listening and continue to build listening work through authentic and genuine and meaningful relationships with a group of people who are excited to learn more about listening and how we can better understand what's at stake if we don't keep moving toward a listening culture. So you've had this role this last year, and if you think back at maybe your first memory where you really noticed the power of listening, whether it worked or it w- didn't work, 
What would that memory be? I think my first memory of really understanding how listening can improve the quality of my life and others around me was that first moment when I could really see and and feel from another person that I felt heard and equally so that I could hear them. And so my capacity to be present with the person in front of me expanded. I could tell I was more available to them. And when you remember, like, if you look, go back to that moment, do you remember the moment that you noticed that, that you're like, oh, wait, there's something here? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I was just with a friend. I think I was just with a friend having a, a casual conversation, exchange about something we both were interested in. And their way of asking me questions, which made them appear curious in what I had to say and interested, and they seemed delighted in what I was sharing. And then they would ask me more questions to clarify things they didn't understand. It just deepened the level of connection I had and our ability to exchange back and forth more information on the same topic. Yeah. So if you look back at like this past year and you think about your the the moment where you start to notice the the power of listening, would you have ever ma- imagined that you would be leading an organization that has to do with listening? I did not see that coming. <laughs> um, I did see that I would be influential in how listening is explored and shared in a variety of settings. I did know that I would I would be influential in that way, that I would help bring it about. I just didn't know how. Hmm. Tell me a little bit more about how you have been influential with listening in your particular setting. Well, I think one way is that I work on it myself. I actually take time to seek out guidance, um, to practice it. I have listening partnerships in my life with peers and friends who don't mind spending time where we trade time and take turns listening to each other and then give feedback on what worked well and what suggestions we might have for each other. It's very mutually respectful setting. And I have a couple of relationships like that where I can practice listening and then ask another outside voice to share something they might have seen or felt during the interaction. And I also read, I continue to read literature, research, and contemporary literature published out in the world in for workplaces and academic settings. I just like to keep myself integrated in the listening work that's happening. Um, so I'm just curious, we'll do a little, a little side little jaunt here. Um, what's a, a book or something that you've read recently that's, that's had some impact on you? Well, the one I'm reading right now is by Kate Murphy. And the title is You're Not Listening. Here's What You're Missing and Why. And uh, she's a journalist. And I like her approach because she sees listening similar to me in that it's a way of life for her. She sees that the work she does is listening work. She listens to people in her interviews. And what I've learned from that is that we really aren't listening. (laughs) We really aren't listening. There's so much we're missing. And 
And that's why we need to keep talking about listening and learning about listening. It's There's a big need still for us to figure out what are we missing here? How can we continue to learn listening? So as you read that, as you read that, and here, you know, you've been paying attention to listening, and it sounds like you're practicing with your friends, and you've been, you know, also working um, with an organization. But as you read that, did something strike you of what you realized, oh, my gosh, I might be missing something here that I'd like to work on or pay attention to? Yeah, one thing that caught my attention was that Oftentimes, when we're listening to another person tell their story, we're listening for the things that we want to hear, rather than listening for what the other person is trying to show us in that moment. And it was a nice reminder to me that I'm not always very good at that, that sometimes I'm listening to someone else speaking to take from it rather than to think about what it is they want me to hear. So it's a slightly different way of focusing my attention. And I've been working toward that more and more in my life and in my work life and also in the ILA. It's like, what is this person hoping for me to take away from what they just shared? And I try to think about it from their perspective rather than what I'm hoping they might tell me. As you're saying that to me and as you're describing that to me, what is it that you would like me or our listeners to take away from this particular example? One thing you can take away from it is to check your assumptions about the situation, the person, or the topic when you're talking with people, having a conversation. Check your own assumptions. What are you assuming about the other or assuming about the situation, or assuming about the topic. Yeah. Yeah, those assumptions, you know, to become aware of those assumptions is not easy, <laughs> because we can only probably be aware of some. But it is right. We assume certain things about people. Mm-hmm. And that can really be a, a block for listening. Yeah. Um, if you walk into a meeting, or a phone call, or a conversation, even if it's a fun conversation or a serious conversation. It could be any type of conversation. But if you walk into it with some sort of notion already of how you think that conversation is going to go, you've already stopped listening. Can you give me an example of when you of a time that maybe you noticed that? Yes, I noticed that more with people that I have long relationships with, like my husband, for example. <laughs> Um, you know, we've, we've been together for 20 years and sometimes I will think about something I need to ask him and I will assume what his response is going to be because it often is that way. And in our relationship for as long as we've had it, that's one area that I could grow in with my relationship with him is, is to be more open there. Yeah. So that's one thing I'm trying to do is even in my personal relationship is to reconsider what I'm assuming about my partner, that maybe he's trying to teach me something new. <laughs> well, you know what? That reminds me. I once, um, it, this was a couple years ago, there was like some, it was probably winter and gray and, you know, where everybody's a little grumpy. And I remember I had this feeling I had to have a conversation with my with my husband and I was sensing some I don't know. I was sensing something that I thought, oh, no, what if something horrible? He's thinking something horrible. I don't even know what I was thinking back then. So I asked him, you know, I said, hey, can we have a conversation? 
um, about the future. I think I had some big idea like that. Anyway, when we had our conversation, I decided, okay, I'm going to try to just listen tonight. I'm just going to be curious. I'm not going to offer anything. I'm just going to be curious today. And I had like, you know, all sorts of worst case scenarios in my mind. And as we started to talk and I just stayed interested in our conversation, actually what came out was that he really wanted vacation with just the family instead of us always visiting other people. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, really? That's it? <laughs> you know? Like, shoot, I'll take more vacations. And of course, I'd love that. <laughs> That's a great example. It was so simple. <laughs> oh, Silly. It's funny how our minds make these big stories or make these assumptions, mm-hmm. <laughs> even with people who we've been with for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And it's so it's so easy to do, especially with those we're most comfortable with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so let's talk a little bit about you you work in the in a hospital, is that right? Yes. Yes. I work yeah. in a hospital healthcare setting. Healthcare setting. So, so tell me a little bit about how listening or plays out in the healthcare setting, or how you're having influence in your work around this topic. Thank you. Yes, in that setting, a lot of our attention is provided for the mission of patient care, of seeing to it that all of the work that happens supports the well-being and safety of patient care, and. Listening in a healing environment like that, an environment where people are trying to heal, um, there's a lot of attention to respect each other in that setting. So there's a lot of respectful listening that happens and listening for concrete details, accuracy and facts and quick information. So it's a very different kind of listening than, say, I would use in a listening in a social setting outside of work. Mm -hmm. And I know that you mentioned to me one time in a conversation that often people come to you for specific reasons, that you notice that they come to you because of listening, but they usually have a certain reason. And it's not always just for fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You want to tell me more about that? I think it's interesting. Yeah, I think sometimes people come to me, I'll use my sister for an example, because she would be okay with this. Uh, My sister is a nurse in a hospital. And she will often come to me for advice about listening, because she's experiencing a disagreement with, say, a friend or a colleague. And she really wants to do a good job at managing the conversation. So she will call me up and just say, Lori, can I run something past you? And I think she has shared with me in the past that the reason why she does that is because she knows that I will listen and she she thinks that I'm pretty reasonable in what I have to say about those situations. That I don't always mm-hmm. I don't always take her side, she said. <laughs> so listening is not about agreeing. It's not about <laughs> taking sides, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She said, I like to talk to you about these sticky situations because I know you'll listen to me and I, and you won't always take my side. Hmm. So do you have any specific, if you were to think about 
whether it's your your sister or somebody else in the hospital when they when they come to you for these reasons do you have a certain like a tool or a strategy that you use to help you listen to them in a way that's supportive maybe even in a team well for me as a listener i usually try to relax and be open which means that i put down anything i'm attending to at that moment so if it's my cell phone i put it away or if it's if i happen to be in the middle of a task i pause from that task so that i can be with that person so i try to eliminate as many distractions that are in front of me as possible when the person shows up to speak to me. I'm not always successful at that. That's a very difficult thing to do, especially if I'm doing multiple tasks in a given moment. And so sometimes I might have to say, oh, give me one moment so that I can fully listen to you. And I will say those words Mm -hmm. so that they understand that that's important to me to be there. And when they know that they are important and that you're present, what do you notice happens to them? Well, sometimes they smile or they look more at ease, like their body language might relax, their shoulders are soften or their face will soften. And sometimes they might giggle because they notice they all of a sudden have the atten- a full attention of someone that they're not used to having. So there'll be this moment of recognition that, oh, wow, there's really a person here listening to me. And then not always, but often they will tell me the full story, not just bits and pieces, but I get a little bit richer context for the information they're trying to share. And how often is it just about you giving advice? Is that what they come for? Is it just holding the space? No, it's not just uh, holding the space. They come because of our relationship. We know each other. We share interests. Uh, They're curious. Sometimes they come to me for curiosity just to see what I'm up to. (laughs) They come, they're like, what is she doing? (laughs) I wonder if Lori knows anything new about listening that she hasn't told us yet. (laughs) Or they might, oh, here's a great example. My neighbor She's a lovely person. She's 87 years old. And she comes to me to share her stories about her observations about other people's listening behaviors. So she will she will give me great examples of encounters in the grocery store at Safeway, for example, here in our community. Or she'll give me examples from church, you know, a church member that she had an encounter with. And she often will tell me how they're not listening to her and she's noticing it more because of me, that she's noticing other people's not listening to her. But lately, she's been sharing more success stories, which I'm thrilled about. She's been sharing stories about where she sees that she's listening and they're listening. Hmm. And she's surprised by that. Yeah. So in the beginning, we might notice more when people are not listening. And yet, then once we shift the focus and maybe start being the listener first, then we end up getting listened to more. And she's surprised. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting how that can be so surprised. I've been surprised with that too. <laughs> I'm like, it's so simple. But why are we so surprised? 
<laughs> about that. <laughs> oh, that we yeah. have to start first. Yeah. And then they want to listen to us. Yeah. You know, it's been often, I've realized that the other day I was thinking about that. I've realized that I often get surprised when I'm listening to someone and then all of a sudden they say, oh, so what about you? And it catches me off guard. I'm like, oh, you want to hear what I think too? <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, what do I think? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you have done some research and I know that you're, you've been working on, on some writing. Could you share a little bit about your work in research or in the work that you're doing on your writing? Well, I've done, um, I've done a lot of research that has not been written or published, but I, my area of interest has often been looking at research related to how listening is taught in large complex organizations. And that was the body of work I did during my graduate school years. And I was looking to run practical workshops using the research that was available to me at that time. And not just using the research itself, but also using the actual attempts to teach listening in the workplace that were going on at the time. There was some uh, listening being taught in organizations, but it was often in the description of another type of workshop where listening was needed to perform it, that skill. So one class might be on team building. So the focus was on teaching team building. And within that uh, work, in, within the workshop objectives would be a section on teaching the art of listening or how to, how to manage team conflict and it would show you some listening skills and it would have a list of steps like eye contact, pausing, paraphrasing. Um, those three things tend to be very popular in a lot of business communications about how to teach listening. And um, I realized that there was much more to the story and organizations could benefit from knowing more ways to embrace listening in their culture. So a lot of my research has been built around that, looking at ways organizations are already teaching listening and the programs they already have. Sometimes I go to those workshops and organizations, and then other times I'm looking for ways to see what I can bring to the situation that would expand upon some of the features of listening that haven't been uh, shown yet to the workplace. We see newness coming out of that. Uh, in the mindfulness training that's been going on in a lot of organizations, they're focusing on mindfulness and wellness as a way to help employees manage stress and enjoyment of really, you know, high powered jobs with a lot of responsibilities. And mindfulness has been a way to, to take those breaks. And that is a type of listening that can happen. A question I was asked recently that is leading me to more research was about silence. People, as they learn to listen, they notice there's more pausing going on because the listening is starting to happen. And they are often wondering what to do when it goes silent. And 
I started reading some literature about silence, and it's really fascinating that there, silence is not inactive. It's not inactive. It's actually active. <laughs> it's very active, yeah. <laughs> I, it's very active. There is a lot going on cognitively and emotionally and physically sometimes within the silence that we underestimate all the time. And a lot of good listening is happening in moments of silence. That's a really important message. A lot of listening is happening. Or wait, I just said that wrong. Say that again. A lot of good listening is happening in moments of silence. Yeah. There's a lot of activity there. So tell me what you mean by good listening. Okay, this is my version. That's, <laughs> why, my... that's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we want to hear. <laughs> One of hundreds. Um, I think my idea of a good listening situation from my experience is when all parties involved in the communication feel seen, heard, and felt by each other collectively that there is no hierarchy, no power. It's almost a state of benign reality where it's safe, open, and listening is facilitating the sharing of information and ideas and feelings. We often forget that feelings are part of our conversation and listening helps facilitate all of that. So going back to the silence, can you explain to me again how silence, um, that there's a lot of good listening happening when there's silence? Now that you explained to me what good listening is, how does silence play a part in good listening? Silence allows us to relax our muscles because we're not talking. So we're not using that energy of voice. And we're taking in information. So cognitively, we're allowing our minds to absorb the other person's words a little more carefully than when we're talking and trying to respond. So silence just gives us a chance to do the actual work of comprehension. That is a cognitive thing. And we can also perception check internally with our own self-talk, you know, if we hear something. Silence allows us the space to do all that. And it also gives the other person a chance to take the space, that there's room there for them. So if there's more they want to say, they can expand on it. And sometimes it can be awkward. Silence can also be an awkward moment where someone feels like we have to say something. I see that happen frequently when long pauses happen at a meeting and someone wants to move on to the next topic. Sometimes that's driven by time constraints. So there's not a lot of time to pause in between things. People are moving very fast. So silence uh, also has a lot of health benefits. <laughs> Mm -hmm. People use it for a sense of retreat. And I would call that, you know, internal healing to actually 
slow oneself down, you know, just take in the environment, the natural world, take a break, recharge. A lot of people use the phrase uh, in my community, recharge my batteries. I'm going away this weekend to recharge my batteries. I would say they're listening to themselves, but they're doing it in a way that is in a more silent practice. So when I hear you speaking, there's there's different types of silence. There's right now, um, it's about you know taking time just to to pause and rejuvenate, you know, on time on my own, and then there's the silence in a conversation or in a meeting, where it gives people time to think, it gives people time to reflect on what has just been said, to check in with their perspective and whatnot. And you know, um, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I, I but I use and um, pauses a lot in the training, in the listening training. And um, in different ways, it could be that, you know, we do a listening circle and when it's their turn, that it's okay to take a few seconds to really consider, is there something that wants to be said before actually saying something? And if there's nothing, then you can pass. Or before people dive too quick into jumping to solutions to just take a minute of silence and have everybody write down their thoughts first before we go into the group conversation. or that people um, have a strategy, a toolbox strategy, where they can say, if someone comes to them with a question that they, instead of answering, feeling like they have to answer right away, they can say, hey, that's a really good question. Um, can I get back to you later on this afternoon or tomorrow? I need, I want to take some time to really think about it. So like these little strategies of creating that pause, that silence, so that we can think through things and have more meaningful answers, or to give people a chance to speak you know, whatever's on their mind. So there's like space for that before we interrupt them that they actually get out. You know, what did you say in your conversations that there's actually the full story there that mm-hmm. everything is has a space to come out. But there's almost a relief in people to know it's okay to take time to think about things. And they don't have to rush. And at the same time, when they go into a high power meeting, and they listen first, Sometimes it's hard like to gain the confidence or to find the space to finally get my input in is always the challenge. And I don't know if you have any advice, especially because I'm sure in the health industry or in in your environment, people are moving pretty fast and have a lot on their plate, especially in the current circumstances. And how do we allow give space for silence and making sure that all voices are heard even under the pressure that we have? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are important questions, and they're questions I ask a lot in my day-to-day work life. And it is important to, you know, move fast and get things done. I think we all need to get a little bit better for asking, asking for more time if it's needed. And a way we can do that without feeling like we're missing an important deadline or completing an important task is to just ask the person we're talking to, how soon do you need me to respond? You can actually find out how quick someone needs the answer. And if they need to know right away, then you would hopefully be able to respond right away. But if you can't, and it's critical that you do the research before you respond, you might have to negotiate that space for yourself. And these are the tensions that we live within in our day-to-day work lives is prioritizing work and agreeing on expectations. 
The one thing that's nice about the work setting is in most work environments, there are some agreed upon norms. There's agreed upon norms about the culture and the professionalism and the policies and the procedures. And so a lot of that is already at play in the way we communicate, the way we speak and listen with each other in in groups and in pairs and in conferences that go on, you know, with team members, with patients or customers, whatever your environment is. And that that's also very helpful. And that can aid how we listen by drawing upon some of the cultural norms within our organizations. It doesn't have to compete with listening at all. Learning about one's culture is, is significant to listening. It helps you adapt and it helps you become a better listener if you understand cultural norms within an association or an organization. It's part of the listening process. Can you give me an example of how listening does not have to be uh, competing the cultural norm, but how it works within the cultural norm? I think if if there's a commitment on an individual level from the members or the employees that I will, you know, I will listen, I will work on listening, there's that uh, decision. And then there's also just on a group level, that we're going to try this out. We're going to mm-hmm. go to a listening session together or a listening workshop and learn some skills about listening to yeah. see if we can improve that. We would, we would start to prioritize listening as a competency in our tool belt mm-hmm. for our, our work lives. Yeah, that is, you know, just like having good customer service and however we would define that, or good patient care, or uh, good teacher-student interactions, we would prioritize listening as one of the key competencies in how we go about fulfilling our responsibilities. Um, you know, when you were look at doing your research, and you're looking at the type of listening training that's there, and you saw the gaps what is it that would be important for leaders and organizations to know about having this type of training or what might be, you know, where they might want to integrate, integrate more of this or what they should in- integrate into their training that would be supportive to the organization? Well, I think there's several things and, and organizations, they each have their own cultures and they each have their own resources and both financial and intellectual resources. It's understanding kind of where you're at on the spectrum of listening. A lot of organizations do have listening trainings already in their professional development curriculums. The extent to which they have it varies. So one way would be to assess how they're already doing listening. And then where do we go from here? Figuring out where do we go from here in terms of how listening helps align uh, employee performance with the organization's mission, vision, values, or goals, whatever they may be for the particular setting, I would see listening aligning with those. And that's what I mean by listening is not competing. Mm-hmm. It's part of the mission, vision, values, goals, and objectives, strategic plan. It's embedded. It's not something that's going to take away from those requirements or priorities. 
Do you have some ideas or thoughts for these organizations? And you can either stick with the health organizations or in general, um, beyond what they might have thought of so far, maybe even beyond what they might, what might be there that would be a part of uh, shaping their future. That one I'd have to come back. I'd have to give that one a little more (laughs) thought, Raquel. I, uh, if you I were going to shake things up, Lori, okay, Lori, <laughs> I've experienced you. You like to shake things up. If you were to shake things up, uh-huh. what would you love to shake up in organizations? Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to shake it up any more than it already is. I'd like to help uh, smooth it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to help smooth it out. I'd like to make it safe. I'd like to build safety in organizations to feel like they could have a listening culture that isn't about therapy or isn't about uh, too much time, you know, isn't robbing them of time, but that listening's credibility is real and that how could we engage listening the same way we engage speech Hmm. toward the common purpose of smoothing out differences. And, you know, you said shake things up. I mean, the the biggest shakeup we've all had in organizations lately is around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. The DEI initiatives are real. They came from a very unfortunate place, a history and event. at least here in the U.S., and listening helps facilitate some of these very sensitive and difficult conversations. And there are a lot of great opportunities to keep getting better at that. Yeah. So I would I would tell organizations today, if I had the the honor and privilege to say anything about it uh, to anyone listening. It would be, don't give up. If you've got a handle on something that's working in the way you listen or you see others listening or the way listening's being taught in your organization, stick with it, carry on, and keep looking at how to make it grow for your organization. And one of the things that we were talking about earlier was that often we think of listening as, you know, getting information to do my job better. But actually what listening is, is listening, really this good listening stuff is about giving voice. Mm -hmm. Also in all of these initiatives for our employees, also leaders. That's how you, if people aren't listening to you, you don't have a voice, right? It's mm-hmm. so without the listening, we don't have a voice. So you, we can work on all of our presentations, our public speaking skills and whatnot. But if we don't have listeners, it doesn't matter, right? And so there's not only as a speaker to find ways to speak in a way that people can listen to us, but that means that we have to listen to them first and understand what their needs are, what their interests are, what, what, what's important to them, what their values are, you know? And also to have the listening there to create the safe space so that people can speak out and maybe come up with great ideas and get more creative and and build collaborative environments that work well together or work through 
difficult conversations, you know, under pressure in a changing environment. (laughs) Yes. Right. Yes. So is there something that I haven't asked you that you think you would love for me to ask you? You know, I've, it's been a delight to answer the questions you've raised so far. And it's got me rethinking some of the things I mentioned and, and also considering how can I help? (laughs) How can I help? And how do I help, you know, or how do I become part of the solution who has this big heart and desire to see listening be a powerful tool for people in all settings of their life, all contexts, experiences? Um, How can I realistically help people realize this and share what I know or continue to share what I know because I'm already sharing what I know? And how do I keep myself practiced at it? You know, that I keep doing my work, that I keep learning how to get to be a better listener from and with each conversation, one person at a time. Okay, so if I were just to ask you right now, in terms of how can you help, what do you already know on how you can help? Well, one thing I know is that I'm a member of the International Listening Association, And I'm part of a community of scholars and professionals and community members who do wholeheartedly believe that listening has a meaningful and powerful place in organizations and in our powerful life. There's resources available there. And I can help by being available to people who have questions about where to find resources on listening if those are needed or desired. And, uh, who to go to for what questions so that they get answered effectively and with the latest findings in listening research and the latest practices in listening. I'm part of that community. So that's one way I can help is to invite people in and share some of those resources. Which is a really big deal. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's how you and I met, Raquel. That's how we met, right, right. Yes. Is there any other way that you think right now that you can think of how you can help? Well, I think I'm going to finish reading the book I'm reading on uh, You're Just Not Listening by Kate Murphy. And I usually share, when I read books, I usually share them on my social media accounts so that people have those resources who might be watching. So that's another way to help is to share the resources I'm currently engaged in because I'm trying to stay connected to the current research and the current sharings on listening. Yeah. Well, you know, I was going to say, I could, from, from my experience with you, also with working at the ILA and your role as president, is you're great at inspiring people, engaging people, um, really listening to their strengths and getting them excited mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and involved. So for any of our listeners out there, um, Lori is a great resource. She's a great person to reach out to. She does great training and knows all the, the, the challenges that are in organizations. Great person to talk to. And um, also a, a partner, or sh- how should I say this? Uh, someone who uh, is looking at how do we really um, match up research with the practice so that we can get the most out of this, uh, the listening that we can in organizations. So 
So I think you help a lot. It's great. <laughs> I'm happy to have met you. You've helped me a lot. <laughs> Thank you, Raquel. And that's mutual. <laughs> that is mutual. Um, so it's been a pleasure. If um, people do want to contact you, how should they contact you? I'm happy to have people email me at laurie.jobert at listen.org. And I'll spell my name. It's Lori, L-O-R-I dot Jobert, J-O-U-B-E-R-T at listen.org. And you can find my email also on the website at listen.org. Yeah, and that's the website for the International Listening Association. And for any of you who are interested and want to know more about listening and dive really deep, then that's a great resource uh, to go to and lots of great people who are part of the organization. All right. Thank you very much. It's been such a pleasure to have you on this podcast, Lori. Thank you, Raquel. I am your host, Raquel Ark from Listening Alchemy, and I hope that you were inspired by this episode of Listen In. So now's the time for you to grow your listening superpower so that you can have lasting impact. I'll be launching a new workshop in May of 2021. This workshop will be experiential, it will be in person, well, on Zoom, and we'll learn and practice seven listening superpowers that really work, proven by science. If you go to my website now at www.listeningalchemy.com, you can sign up there and I'll keep you updated on when the dates are. Let me know that you heard about this workshop on my podcast and you'll get a 30% discount. Also, subscribe and like this podcast, sharing it with others so that we can catalyze a listening movement together. A big thank you to Evo t for producing the music, Cecilia Mercado for getting the podcast set up, and Betsy Johnson for her amazing artwork. Enjoy listening in. And-